What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Bible No One Told You About Week 2. Let me tell you about something coming up that I believe we need this year. Believe it or not, Easter is right around the corner. Now, we're going to celebrate Easter this year. If there was ever a year... A group of people needed to celebrate the message of new life, new starts, and new beginnings. I think it's this year. For us, Easter is going to be symbolic of leaning into what God is doing new and fresh in our lives and moving away from the chaos that was 2020 and even some of 2021. Now, Easter seems like it's so far away. We're in March right now. That's April, but believe it or not, it's early April this year. Easter moves around, and it's April 4th this year. That means the time to start preparing is now. Circle that date and save it. We're actually having Sunday morning worship services that day. So April 4th, that morning, save the date and time. And heck, even be thinking about who you want to bring with you. Now, Moving forward, I want to anchor this series, The Bible No One Told You About, in what we're doing as a church. Now, we've told you before, our goal this year is not to reopen momentum, but to relaunch momentum. Uh, Our reasons for doing that is we have a gospel opportunity to reach our city in new and creative ways. We want to reintroduce and refresh our church in this time, and we want a deeper faith and a tighter bond that comes from pursuing Jesus on mission together. Now, we are talking about pouring ourselves out so others can find the life that is found in Christ. Here's what I know. If you are to be pouring yourself out, you've got to have a deep well from which to draw. You've got to have a deep well so you have plenty of water to pour into those around you and into the mission that Jesus is calling us to. So the heart behind our series, the Bible no one ever told you about, is to really spend time deepening our faith, our knowledge of Scripture, and the application of Scripture in our lives in preparation for pouring ourselves out into the lives of those around us. Now, the best way for you to get caught up where we're going today and all that would be to jump online and watch last week's. These are all going to build on one another. And so as messages go by, we're going to assume you're on the journey with us. And, and if you miss anything, easiest thing to do is go back to YouTube, IGTV, Facebook, any of those sources. We have a podcast now if you just like the audio. Search Momentum San Diego at any of those places. Find us and you can stay in tune with the messages. Now to catch you up briefly, last week we began with our origin story. We opened up our Bibles to page one and the first sentence and we talked about a God who has created us. And now if you took the words that we read last week and kept reading down to where we're going to jump in this week, what happens in the middle is God continues to create. He forms the cosmos. He forms light, energy, stars, gravity, separates light from darkness, water, earth, sky, living creatures in the water, above ground. And then he finally gets to the moment where he creates humanity. That's what we're looking at today. We're looking at our origin story in God's creation account. It begins in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind 
in his image, wink, wink. We're going to be camping out on that. So if you've got a Bible, that's worth underlining. In his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, when you get these words, they become like a trip that I experienced when I was 18 years old, one of the first times I ever left the country and did a mission trip. My first mission trip was to the Dominican Republic with Go Ministries. Some of you are familiar with Go and what they're doing. They have this wonderful ministry in the Dominican Republic. We help them by loving on the nationals, loving on the teams that work there day in and day out, doing construction projects. I have vivid memories about digging a deep hole in the pouring rain with three other guys for a full day, knowing that that hole we were digging was going to be underneath where a bathroom fixture set. We had the time of our lives though, and it was such a powerful trip for me. The cool thing about the trip was at the very end, they took us to this little beach town where we got to hang out and we were told we were going to go on this snorkeling trip. Now, I remember we got to go down to the beach and spend time debriefing in this quiet little beach town and it was neat. Don't get me wrong. I love the beach. I love little exotic locations, but the problem for us was we had spent so long there, we had completely run out of things to do. We'd been in and out of the water a bunch, you know, we're covered in sand, and we've been up to the little shop and ordered the French fries. We've seen the street vendors, and we've just been sitting. And we were told we we're supposed to go on this snorkel trip. Well, the story unfolds, and later that afternoon, after we were just bored out of our minds and feeling almost like we just wanted to get back to the work because this beach has just become so mundane, the snorkel guy, I don't know what to call him. I don't have a better name for it, but I'll say the snorkel guy comes walking down to the beach with um, a couple baskets full of snorkel equipment. And we, we pay him the Dominican cash, which amounted to about $5. And he dipped our, <laughs> he dipped our mask and our uh, flippers in a little cleansing bucket. I still don't even know what was in there. And then he said, right that way, about 50 meters out, and look down. And so we did as he had said. I think uh, one of the guys who was leading the trip had actually been there before. We put on our mask. We go, walk, we go paddling out to the spot where we're supposed to look down. And you guys, I'll never forget what I saw. I looked beneath the surface and I could see for what felt like miles underwater. There were colors I'd never seen before. Fish swimming everywhere. It was teeming with life and wonder. I still remember it. I have crystal clear pictures in my mind to this day. And what struck me was, above the surface of the water, back there on the beach, everything was so mundane. But beneath the surface, there was a world filled with life and wonder. These words in Genesis function the same way. Let's be honest, there are parts of life that are just mundane. Waking up and going to work can feel mundane. Signing on yet again to help your kid do distance learning can feel mundane. Planning dinners, your commute, bedtime routines can feel mundane. Day after day, week after week, we're surrounded by things that often feel so mundane. But these words in Genesis call us 
to be people who see beneath the surface of what's going on in our lives. And if we're willing to let these words be our mask, we look around at a world that is filled with life and wonder. It begins in Genesis 1, verse 26. It says, Then God said, now hold on, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the livestock, and the wild animals. And so he goes on and it says, So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Now, since this is, uh, we're primarily focused on Bible study and unearthing truth from Scripture and living it out in our lives, let me give you a Bible study tip. When you see repetition in the Bible, it matters. If you see something repeated in the Bible, you read it, and then like a couple sentences later, you read it again, it matters. But if like this, you see something repeated three times in a matter of just a few sentences, the author is, is, is doing his best to circle it in your Bible for you and saying this is important and everything else that you're going to hear will flow from this. In this creation account of mankind, we see that mankind is created in God's image. He mentions it three times in a row, male and female, in God's image. In the image of God, we were created. And let me remind you of what that means for us. In God's image means every human is endowed with supreme worth and worthiness apart from the rest of creation. Every human being is endowed with worth and worthiness above and apart from the rest of creation. This is why we believe that life matters, including unborn life. This is why we believe the non-judicious killing of George Floyd is heinous and evil no matter what angle you look at it from. This is why even the most disabled or, or, um, or handicapped human beings you could find on earth have more intrinsic worth and value than a horse that, that like secretariat or a chimpanzee that, that speaks sign language. Humankind has a worth and worthiness above and apart from the rest of creation. Now, we've done a lot of work on this in the past, but I want to take this to some places we haven't thought about before. This is the Bible that no one told you about. Let me tell you some things from these words that no one may have told you about. We're created in God's image. We are image bearers. In the same way, people tell me that my son Bear looks a lot like me. Believe it or not, there are parts of you that look a lot like God. There are parts of you, as a matter of fact, that are completely unique to you as a human, and they come from God. There are qualities that we share together as humanity that make us unique from everything else in creation, and that matters. Today, I want to share with you several unique features in your life and mine that make us A, unique from the rest of creation, and B, completely wonderful in our nature. Uh, the first one is this. I want to talk to you about time. As a matter of fact, we are the only creatures on earth that deal in time. When you wake up in the morning, your alarm wakes you up at a certain 
time. After that, you get dressed and ready because you have somewhere to be. But what's more important than where you're going is when you actually need to get there. We make plans. You plan vacations. My wife and I pull out a planner and we have to look at our week and our month. We are the only ones in all of creation that deal in time. We do it without even thinking about it. And that makes us unique. You want to talk about meeting God in the mundane. When you pull out your planner, when you make plans with somebody else, you are expressing your divine nature. You are reflecting the image of God that he put on your soul. And I'll tell you why our ability to deal in time is a gift. Because we understand the way events flow through history in time, we have the ability to meditate on our past, learn from it, and make plans for our future. See, you don't see any creature in the animal kingdom doing so, and that makes us unique. That means we do not have to be victims of the momentum of our past. The ability to think about time in past and future gives us the ability to act within the world so we are not victims of cosmic circumstances. We we have independence and agency that can allow us, by God's power, to change our lives, transform our world, and move forward into our futures. That's unique ability. If you've ever thought about your life and decided you wanted to make a change, that was a divine quality. It was the stamp of God on your soul. If you've ever had a time where you looked forward to a year and said, this is going to be the year that I blank. If you've ever saved money to buy a house, you are doing a uniquely human and wonderful job. We deal in time. I'll tell you the other one. Um, Human beings are the only creatures that broker in beauty. Now, there are beautiful things in nature, and birds have, make beautiful songs, but they are not making beauty. They are just calling to one another. The sound of whales that's so soothing is not whales making music. It is whales calling to one another. Human beings are the only creatures that deal in beauty. Have you thought about this? We like art. We like design. We like music. We like food to look a certain way on a plate. Let me ask you something. The last time you fed your pet, did you worry about presentation? I think not. But you and I, because we have God's image on our souls, are people who crave beautiful things. Have you ever thought about it like this? Perhaps you've been in a building. And you noticed it it was just kind of shabby. Maybe it was some office building that hadn't been updated in a decade or so. Or maybe you found yourself in a government building where the walls were just kind of yellow because it was all function and no fashion. And there was a part of yourself that just felt kind of creepy about it. You didn't like being in that space. Why? Because the stamp of God on your soul, God designs things to be beautiful and full of wonder. You have that stamp on your soul. And when you are in a building that lacked artistic features and design in its nature, it creeped you out. Because you were made to crave beauty. As a matter of fact, I can tell you this. You are sitting right now within 10 feet of some item that involves art, design, and beauty. Go ahead, look at it. Art, design, and beauty within 10 feet of you. I told you the story last week about how we remodeled our kitchen. You know, the part of the story I reflected on this week is 
It was a perfectly good kitchen. The sink worked, the fridge worked, the stove worked, the oven worked, the, the uh, microwave worked, the doors worked. They opened and closed just fine. We, we didn't need to fix our kitchen. However, there was a craving in us to redesign our kitchen. What is that? It is the mark of God on our soul causing us to crave beauty. Um, last one is this. It's language language. We crave, well, we are the only beings that use language to communicate. Now hear me again, other animals communicate with one another. There's no doubt about that. But we are the only beings in creation that communicate abstraction. I mean math, philosophy, theory, ideas, hypotheses, reasons for being, meaning, and purpose. That doesn't happen outside of us. Our ability to communicate and sit down. Some people love deep conversation. Oh, that is the mark of God on your soul, causing you to speak and think about meaning. Now, sometimes God just hands you the perfect story from your life that goes with uh, what you're trying to communicate and a message. And I had that happen to me this week. I have a six-year-old daughter. Her name's Penelope. And the other day she came up to me. I can't make this up. And she said, Dad, have you ever wondered how we are? I was like, how we are? what do you mean how we are? I mean, like, I know we're a little weird, but what are you talking about? She goes, no, how we are. Like, I am awake and alive, and I can see things and think about them, and, and so are you. And have you ever thought, like, we're just here, and we are? A six-year-old was pondering the wonders of sentience and consciousness, and that is a completely unique feature of humanity. Nowhere in the animal kingdom does the baby snake slither up beside dad snake or the little calf walk up next to the bull and say to dad, hey dad, have you ever wondered how we got to this field? And the dad said, well honey, let me tell you. There's no time in the animal kingdom where you see a chimpanzee craving meaning and purpose talking to his friends, saying, every day is just so mundane. I wonder if this all leads somewhere or if I have a purpose on earth. The ability to use language to express abstraction is a truly unique human feature. Now let's pause and talk about what we do with this. I'll tell you this to begin with. You are so marked by God in your very nature. You express it every day without realizing it. Every day you broker in time, beauty, and language. Every day you, you make plans and you move through time and you think about it. Every day you crave beauty, you're around beautiful things. And every day you use your language to connect with and be amongst other human beings. And those themselves are godly activities. Here's my encouragement to you. See, in the same way I had to put on that mask and look through the water to see the wonder that was underneath the surface of the ocean. Jesus followers and the people of God have a calling to open up our eyes, to look at the world through the book of Genesis and see the wonder that exists around us every single day. Um, here'd be my challenge. Meet God in the mundane. Meet God 
in the mundane. We refuse to move through life seeing beautiful things, interacting with people, connecting, thinking, planning, and refuse to accept those as mundane activities. Embrace those as God-given gifts every day and as a space where you can see God and fellowship with Him. When you do this, worship becomes so much bigger than singing songs on a Sunday morning. Worship and spiritual activity is any time that you're doing what it is God made you to do, the way He made you to do it. I don't have time to get into this, but if you were to continue to read this story, God blesses the man and the woman, and He gives them creation as a gift to enjoy. And they glorify God by simply enjoying the world around you. When you meet God in the mundane, and you just take that extra moment to look at the design that you see around the house, to rearrange the furniture, to enjoy a beautiful song, to create a beautiful meal, to connect with friends, to talk, to speak, you are doing so. When you, use, when you do it with God in mind, you're doing it as an act of worship. And all of a sudden, all the everyday, ordinary occurrences can become what my hero and mentor J.K. Jones calls holy habits. You can make holy habits out of your day-to-day -day life and turn the entirety of your life into worship. Now, I actually have one more quality I want to share, and this is the Bible that no one told you about series, and I want to take this some places people may not have told you, or maybe it's something you know, but nobody's taken the time to challenge you. There's actually one more divine feature that manifests itself in us every single day, and it's this idea of community. You are a communal being because you were created by a communal God. Now let me pull from last week, Genesis 1.26. You'll notice this interesting language. God says when he's creating, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and so forth. Pause on these words. Us, our, and our. God is there and, and we talked last week, God, it's not God and some other guy there with him. It's not God and Adam. It's God, the communal being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all present within creation. God himself is a community, and he has made you a communal being. Now, this is where the pill gets hard to swallow. Because we have made so much of the Christian faith an individualistic experience. Uh, we've invited people to make Jesus their personal Lord and Savior. You have a personal devotion time or quiet time. When we have communion, we pass around this tray, but it's full of individual cups of juice and individual crackers. When in the very beginning, it was a meal, it was a family around a table doing something together. In the New Testament, when people were being baptized, it was very apparent that they were being baptized into a community. When you read scripture, almost every single part and piece of scripture was written to and for a group of people, not individuals who would just read it in the morning before they started their individual day. We are communal beings and our faith and lives can only be fully discovered within community. And that's hard. You know, I had a talk with a friend this week and we were both reflecting on how it is so much easier for us to give help to other people 
than it is to receive help ourselves. Why? Because we're individualistic. Now, I can go help you because I can do that and maintain my autonomy and power and I feel good about myself. But when I have to let you help me, I truly have to let you in. And this is where I'll quote my friend, um, the leader of Go Ministries we were just talking about, Brooke Brodsman, taught me the idea. Independence is not a biblical or gospel value. Interdependence is. Let me say that again. Independence is not a gospel or biblical value. Interdependence is. As a matter of fact, there are parts of your life and your faith you can only uncover in the presence of other people. A great writer, thinker, hero of mine, amazing storyteller uh, named C.S. Lewis is famous for his work, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Mere Christianity. But if you do a little more work on Lewis, you'll find out that the next thing he was known for was the amazing group of friends that he kept around himself. You may not know this, but um, J.R.R. Tolkien of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit was actually best friends with C.S. Lewis, who won Lewis to Christ when Lewis was formerly an atheist. And Lewis has this amazing quote, and he says, God doesn't look on anything under the sun that is half as good as a group of buddies sharing a pint at a pub. I'll let you decide what to do with that quote. But he had this group of friends called the Inklings. And the Inklings were a group of writers, thinkers, philosophers, Christians, and they would get together, they would enjoy each other's company, and they would spend time together. Now, Charles Williams was a part of this crew. He's in this picture with Lewis here. And he was the first one of them to pass away. He died at 54 years old, and he was the first one of the Inklings to pass. And Lewis wrote something interesting after losing his friend. He said this, in each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all of his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. Two friends to light to be joined by a third, and three by a fourth. Did you catch what he was saying there? In Lewis and Charles and Ronald's relationship, there were parts of Ronald that only came out when Charles was around. And when Charles went away, so did those parts of Ronald. What does that tell us? There are parts of our lives and our faith that can only be revealed in community. Young adults, listen to me. You're under more pressure than ever from the world around you with the words, go find yourself. Uncover your true self and be true to yourself. But so often we go looking for those things in the wrong places. Theologian Mark Moore wrote this caution. He said, young adults often lead their families, communities, and tradition to find themselves. This can get one lost. We will never know our true selves in isolation. We know ourselves to the ex only know ourselves to the extent that we are known. 
all of us are the sum of our relationships. Though our characteristics are unique, our character is forged in the anvil of our community. What do we do with this? Well, it's impossible to miss the fact that from the very beginning of Scripture, God made us for relationship and community with one another. This is why the church of Jesus Christ matters. It is the fulfillment of the divine mark of God on our souls. It is the place where we can go to find who we were truly made to be and the God behind it all who made us. And we need one another to do that momentum. Do not buy into the lie that says you can love Jesus by yourself. Do not buy into that phrase that gets thrown around so often. I love Jesus, I just don't like church. From the very beginning of history, we were made for one another. My friends, you were made in God's own image. May you go this week and experience the life and wonder that are all around you. I love you guys. Take care. Peace.